It's good to be home. Next week, Lord willing, we'll have an article uh, describing our mission work in Kona. It is great to see each of you here this morning, both members and visitors alike. We thank God for your presence, and we're just so happy to be able to assemble together to worship our great God. Let's go together to God in prayer, please. Merciful and kind and righteous and wonderful Heavenly Father, hallowed be your great and amazing name. We do give you all the praise, honor, and glory as we give you all the thanks. Thank you so much for allowing us to be able to be here today to worship you. There's no other place, Lord God, that we'd rather be than to be here to worship you. Thank you for this opportunity. We pray that our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight. We thank you for Jesus, for that blood that was shed on that cruel cross of Calvary, that we might have the forgiveness of sins, that we might be saved. We thank you for your love. Please help us to keep our minds focused only on you, on your word, your will, and your way. These things we do ask and pray in that wonderful name of Jesus Christ, to be thy will. Amen. The eternal perspective, I want to spend a couple of weeks on this thought. I want to start in 1 John chapter 2. When I think of the word perspective, I think of, of thought. When we think of thought, we know that thoughts could, can be proper, and thoughts can be, can be improper, and yet they can be believed equally the same. I want us to, to move from, from a physical perspective of life onto a true spiritual perspective and thoughts and ideas of life. And it's important to remember this as we go through this lesson, that our spiritual perspective truly can contradict our physical ones. So earthly pleasures and priorities should never come before spiritual mandates. We, we all agree to that. 1 John 2 and verse 15, God tells us something about this world and, and physical or earthly perspectives. Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And yet, and yet there's so many of, of, of us as God's children and even those, those of the world who, who get tangled up, sometimes a little mixed up with the eternal and the spiritual. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, it's not from the Father, but it is from the world. And the world is passing away, and also it's lust. But the one who does the will of God abides forever. And so we can read the Scripture and say, okay, I got it, and I understand it. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. But I want to look at a man who gives us a true look into the struggles that we face as humans. Even though we understand that loving the world or putting the world before God is, is putting God second and, and God w does not want that. Even though we know the world's passing away and also all of his lust and pride and yet there's still this thing that grabs us and holds on to us. Ecclesiastes 5 and verse 10. The wisdom literature says, he who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves abundance with its income. This, too, is vanity. And yet we see it all the time. We know that no one's satisfied with money. Those who are, are billionaires need to make more. 
those who are millionaires need to make more those who we always are looking to but we're never ever going to find satisfaction the bible tells us that the world is passing away and then it says in chapter 6 in verse 7 all a man's labor is for his mouth and yet the appetite is not satisfied what god is trying to tell us you're never going to find true satisfaction in this life spiritually speaking you'll always find true satisfaction in christ earthly satisfaction is something that will never ever be met it's an absolute impossibility it's an impossibility you continue to read through the wisdom literature and someone tried it solomon the richest man ecclesiastes chapter 2 on the earth in his day and this this understanding of god wants me to be happy right you're not going to find it truthfully in this life unless you have god it's an absolute impossibility because then we got to define happiness and what it really actually means so you think about solomon and solomon says god wants me to be happy and so what solomon does is he does everything in his life to bring happiness into his life and you know what he discovers here's a rich man who could do anything he wanted he was the king he did everything that his heart desired but he had something to say chapter 2 and verse 1 and i said to myself come now i will test you with pleasure so enjoy yourself and behold it too was futility and then you read all the things that he did and jump all the way over to verse 10 and all that my eyes desired i did not refuse them i did not withhold my heart from any pleasure for my heart was pleased because of all my labor and this was my reward for all my labor thus i considered all my activity which my hands had done and the labor which i had exerted and behold all was vanity and striving after wind and there was no profit under the sun solomon solomon said i I did it all deuteronomy chapter 10 please i've been there and, and i've done that and i'm telling you it's all vanity you'll forever be striving after riches or or pleasure or whatever it is in this life it's never going to end you'll never be satisfied None of us can. God designed it that way. The only true satisfaction that you can ever find in this life is a life with God. I know someone said, well, let me just test it and see. Well, Solomon already did. So many others already have. Talk to the elderly. Talk to folks in this life who will tell you all of it comes back to this. It comes back to God. Earthly perspectives. Or do I have an eternal perspective how am i looking at how am i viewing how am i thinking about life this life deuteronomy chapter chapter 10 god wants me to be happy right now let's read what god actually wants for us verse 12 and from us and now israel what does the lord your god require from you but to fear the lord your god to walk in all of his ways and love him and to serve the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the lord's commandments and his statutes which i'm commanding you today for your good 
Notice this is for your good, right? God wants me to be happy, right? God wants you to have goodness. And it's the goodness of the Lord in your life. That's where true satisfaction can be found. Behold, to the Lord your God belong the heaven and the highest heavens, the earth and all that is in it. God. God has to be that that true satisfaction perspective. How are you looking at it? How are you viewing life? Matthew chapter 16. So Jesus reveals his, his upcoming suffering and the struggles that are going to come his way, his death, his resurrection. And, and Peter responds. And I, when I listen to the way that Peter responds, that, that's one thing. But when I think about what Jesus said to Peter, I ask myself this question. Has Jesus ever said this about me? Matthew 16 and verse 21. From that time, Jesus Christ began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen happen to you you know how we feel like we're in control you know we're like i got this right and that's what peter was saying peter was thinking to himself lord lord i i've got this and the problem that that happens in our lives when we're when we're so concerned about the immediate or, or the tangible aspects of life we we might make an excuse and say it's human of us to just stay focused in this light and it's not it's a choice I mean, there has to be some focus. I get that. We're, we're physical beings living in a physical world, but, but your perspective must, it must be eternal. You must be looking to God, looking to heaven all of your life, as Stephen said this morning, because this life right here, th- this one really doesn't matter too much. Your obedience in this life is what matters. I wonder, has Jesus ever said this to me? Verse 23, or about me. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. For you are now setting your mind on God's interest but man. Have you ever been there? You ever, you ever had your focus only on, on man's interest and this life and, and not on God and, and, and not realizing that maybe, just maybe, you, you might be a stumbling block to someone who's trying to do that? The profound words that Jesus uses, get behind me, Satan, is, lies the danger of following earthly concerns and, and forfeiting, if you will, or, or allowing your earthly concerns to cloud your, your spiritual vision. So this incident, to me, it proves to us, it gives us a very profound lesson that, that there's a difference between a physical focus and a spiritual focus in our lives. And when one is focused on only the physical and doesn't have his mind wrapped around the spiritual and he doesn't cause the physical to to align itself with the spiritual, the words of Jesus come to light. It's kind of scary when you think about it. Treasures. Am 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 I building up treasures in this life? 
I think uh, someone said it best. They said, I'm going to Matthew chapter 6, that, that you'll never see a U-Haul behind a hearse. And so you, you can build it all you want, right? But you're leaving it here when you go. And, and so where should you build it, right? That was the question that Jesus posed to his people. That, that was the idea that Jesus was teaching in Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 19. He says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And we see it all the time, right? Our houses are falling apart and our cars are falling apart and we are falling apart. We're always fixing stuff, right? We're always caring for things and, and making it better or trying to make it last. And Jesus says, look, don't put your trust in this stuff. It's just going to fall apart. But lay up for yourselves treasures. In heaven. Are there really treasures in heaven? Well, well, think about that. Jesus says, don't lay up treasures on earth, but instead lay up treasures in heaven where... And then he gives you a description of of the treasures in heaven where where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in or, or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And yet, I wonder if I'm doing what, you know, the text is teaching, don't, don't hoard things up, right? You know, you build it up so you can trust in it. You know, build up my checking account so I can trust in it. Build up my, 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 all my material possessions so I can trust in them. I, I, I need this and I need that. And I need a, a bunch of these and a bunch of those. And that way, if this one breaks, I've got that one. If, if this one, if something happens to that one, I have this one. And, and Jesus says that, that's going to drive you crazy, right? Because everything that you build up, that we build up, is going to become rusty, old. It's going to break down. And thieves are going to always be there. John 14. Our actions and our our investments and our our trust has to be uh, in the Lord. I, I am just, you know, when I read John 14, I, you know, you get the whole context and, and you love it. And I, there's just so much to John 14, verses 1 and verse 2. We could build a whole lectureship on verses 1 and verse 2. Trust me, there's so much in there. I want to grab one, one thought, just if we could. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. It's interesting that when you think about the creation in Genesis 1 as recorded in the beginning, and then Jesus comes to the earth, it, it's like God reserved something, right? You know, God created all things. He created the heavens, but, but there's something unique about the heavens that, that, that God reserved be, before he made it. He he held on. See, Jesus came to the earth and, and he became uh, uh, tempted with earthly treasures and pleasures and ideas of life and all the temptations that we go through. And, and yet he lived a perfect life. He observed the beauty from a, from a human perspective, if you will, right? He, the beauty of creation, all that God has made and, and all that we enjoy and we just, we absolutely love. And he waited until he started talking about going 
back home to, to heaven. And he says something. After I've been in this life, in this world, and I've, I've been in the flesh, and now I'm going to do something. I'm going to go and prepare a place. But it seems like in Genesis, the place was already prepared. And yes, it was. But there's something unique that's going to happen or that happened after Jesus went back. So when you ask me about heaven and you say, well, well, tell me about heaven. I'll say, I'll tell you about heaven. The creator who created everything, who made it perfect, came to the earth and he added a little bit more to it. And all I can say to that is, wow. And then there's this talk about, about paradise and, and, you know, perhaps, perhaps in this life, maybe one of the significant inhibitors to genuine happiness is found in the things that we thought we needed most to be happy. Maybe that's true. You, you, ever, you ever done that? You ever, you ever bought a car and, and you said, you know, when, when I, this car... This is, this is it. I've, I've wanted this all of my life. and give it, give it a few years. You'll find another one. You go, you know, the, this car right here, though, right? You, you buy a home and you go, this house is my dream house. I just give it, a, give it some time. And you go, you know, I don't know why we put the, this here like this and why didn't we do that? And we just give it some, you just can't find satisfaction in, in this life. Brother, Brother Kesselman said, Money can buy you medicine, but not health. Money can buy a house, but not a home. Money can buy companionship, but not friends. It can buy entertainment, but not happiness. It can buy a bed, but it will never bring you sleep. It can buy pleasures, but not peace. It can buy a priest, but it can't buy you salvation or the forgiveness of sins. You can even buy a crucifix as Rome, but not a savior. You can buy a good life, but not eternal life. We must remember, Matthew chapter 6, please, that a spiritual perspective can contradict a physical one. Jesus says, don't store up treasures in heaven, or on earth rather, store them up in heaven. And then he says in verse 22 of Matthew 6, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. Remember where your treasure is. That's where the eye is, right? That's where the focus is. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. It's an absolute impossibility. Well, look, here's where I don't want to leave you. I don't want to leave you at, so really, what's heaven all about? Or, or what's in heaven? And you look through the scriptures, and well, let's talk about it for just a moment. What does the Bible tell us that Heaven is like. And, and, and why should I, why should my, my perspective of life, why should it be focused on the eternity or on the eternal? Why should I be focused on heaven? While I'm living in a physical life in this world and dealing with all the things here, why should I focus on, on heaven? You know, in heaven you'll find all the things you're looking for, even in this life. The true things you're looking for. 
Number one, no temptation. You're looking for that. You know, nobody wants to be tempted to do evil or, or get ourselves into trouble. We, we don't want to do that. See, Satan is here, but Satan is not there. You know what you'll find in heaven? A place of not just peace, but eternal peace. That's what we're looking for. We just, we just want, we want peace. And, and we get to be with the eternal God, the creator and sustainer of all life. And in heaven, the, there's no more evil in heaven. Satan's not there. there there's, no more, there's no more of it. Right? It, it's all over, brethren. It, it's finished. Thank you, God. No more darkness up there. Because God himself is light. So, so there's, no more, there's no more darkness there's no more work as we know it. Thank you, God, for that. It's filled with justified people made perfect. Isn't that great? They're around perfect people. Thank you, God, for, for that. And it's going to be absolutely breathtaking. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely breathtaking. See, I, I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 for just a moment. Absolute beauty, absolute perfection, and, and, and we, we, we don't even, you know, God you know, tries to explain it to us, but we, we just can't understand it. So, so he does talk to us about this place called paradise, right? The, the place before heaven, if you will. Someone, someone might call it the waiting place. I want you to just, just to grab a, a different thought from, from what's written here in the thorn in the flesh. Just let's grab a different thought. It's, I mean, it's the same thought. It's here recorded in Scripture. But heaven or, or paradise, let me, let me jump back now, jump out of heaven and jump into paradise. Paradise is a place that you can boast about. And if paradise is a place that you can boast about and that you will boast about, what do you think heaven is going to be like? And watch this. Verse 4. He was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words which a man is not permitted to speak. What are those words? You get excited about that? Right? Inexpressible words. What, what, what does that mean? You start thinking about that like unapproachable light and inexpressible words and I got to get there, church. Right? And then you get excited about it. And, and, the, and the apostle's saying, look, look, this is what was seen in paradise. On behalf of such a man, will I boast? But on my own behalf, I, I will not boast except in regard to my weaknesses. For if I, I do wish to boast, I shall not be foolish. For I shall be speaking the truth. But if I refrain from this so that no one may credit me with more than he sees in me or hears from me. What, what he's saying is, if I start telling you what God really did for me and what I saw and what I heard, you'll look at me as a God. That's what's going to happen. Because I'm going to tell you some stuff that is absolutely out of this world. And God says, yeah, see, I know you'll do that. So here's what I'm going to do for you. What are you going to do, Lord? I'm going to keep you from sinning. I'm going to give you a thorn. I need to keep, you need to not, because it's not time yet. Verse 8, verse 8, concerning this, I entreated the Lord three times. 
that it might depart from me. See, Lord, I, if you remove the thorn, I, I can tell the world. He says, we're not telling the world. You're, you're, not, you're not allowed to bring those heavenly things to the earth. You see, heaven isn't coming to us, church. We're going to go to it. Now, if you think that heaven's on earth, you're looking at the wrong life. You have a different or an improper thought. He said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is perfected in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather boast about my weaknesses that the power of Christ might dwell in me. Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. But Lord, I still want to tell everybody, no, that's why you got the thorn. You, you know, he, there's no way he could hold that in unless he had a thorn. Listen to what he said about, about this, this place. Go, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm just trying to help you to, to, to say when you leave here today, I need to make sure I have an eternal perspective of life. Chapter 4 in verse 17. For momentary light afflictions is producing for us an eternal weight of glory. Lord, can I tell them now? No, you cannot. <laughs> no, no, you may not. But I can at least say this. Far beyond all comparison. Far beyond all anything you can muster up in your mind, anything you've ever seen, any great beauty, any wonderful experience, any greatness in your life, God says it can't compare to what I made for you. Are you focused church this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, please, on heaven. I, I mean, I know we're living in the flesh, but, but you're living somewhere else. It's just like, you know, in, in, in the world of athleticism, you, you, don't, you don't enter the race, but when you're in the race, what, what are you supposed to see? You see the finish line, right? You see yourself going through the finish line. You don't, don't get stuck in the, all the stuff that happens in the middle, Right? The trial, the, the sweat, and the, and the tears, and the struggle, and the pain. And, no, see the finish line, right? That's what we have to be looking at. We have to be focused, as Hebrews 12 tells us, be focused on heaven. And then you know what happens to all the stuff that in this life? It, it really becomes minimal. It's a light affliction. It's just for a moment. It's here for a little while, and then it, and then it goes away. Eternal bliss eternal comfort, eternal joy. And you know what he said? And I'm going to give you a new body, an everlasting body, a, a brand new, a, it's a brand new life. Verse 51 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. But when this perishable will I put on the imperishable, and this mortal will I put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. And someone said, someone said, you know, a perfect body, no more dieting, no more exercise. 
That alone should make you want to go to heaven. And then finally, in, in Psalm 136, you know, if you, you, they've taken polls of, of humanity and, and, they've, and they've asked questions about, about what you want in life. And, and what, is the, what is the, you know, when you think of life, what is the, the greatest thing in this life? What is, if you think about your desire, what is your greatest desire? And they'll start out with, you know, the, you know, I just want to go to the Grand Canyon or I want to go to, you know, whatever, right? But you know what it always comes back to? I just want to be loved. I mean, that's what it really comes back to. Everything else in life, really, really, none of the other, that's the one thing in life that everybody desires just to be loved. Heaven. Everlasting love. Psalm 136, beginning at verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who alone who does wonders, for his loving kindness is everlasting. Great wonders, by the way. To him who has made the heavens with skill, for his loving kindness is everlasting. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his loving kindness is everlasting. You, you know what the Bible's telling us? That when God made the creation and God made us, he did everything in love. Right? You want to skip over that. You know, his loving kindness is everlasting. Just, we'll skip that refrain over and over. No, there's a, there's a point to that. The love that God put into everything is impactful. To him who made the great lights for his loving kindness is everlasting. The sun to rule by day for his loving kindness is everlasting. And the moon, the stars, the rule by night for his loving kindness is everlasting, everlasting love. This morning, the lesson is yours. And I pray that, that you can leave this place saying, it's good to be here. And it's a reminder of, of why you're here. Why are you, even, why are you here? Because my perspective of life is based on truth. I want to go home one day. And this is not my home. This world is not our home. The lesson is yours. If there's something we can do this morning to help you in any way, if you're struggling, would like to surrender to God in the waters of baptism, if we can pray with you or pray for you, whatever, wherever it is, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. To Jesus I surrender all.